I think the hardest part of the design process is determining what the problem is in the first place. Make sure that you spend enough time to really identify the pain points of the consumer and identify how you can create a product that has enough point of difference that allows you to be the product of choice that the consumer is going to want to go after. Hi there, this is the SOLIDWORKS Born to Design podcast, a podcast of inspiring stories about those who create, build, invent, and engineer new ideas into actual new products. And by the way, they all use SOLIDWORKS. I'm your host, Cliff Medling, and this episode is titled, The Hardest Part of Design, where I will be talking with Grant Delgatti at SOLIDWORKS World. Grant is an inventor, an educator, and chief executive officer and co-founder at Irby. Grant has a very interesting background and some great advice for designers and entrepreneurs at any level in their career. Let's jump right into my interview with Grant. My name is Grant Delgatti. I am the Chief Creative Officer for Urban 626. Urban 626 is the parent company of a product called Irby. Uh, It stands for Urban Electric and we make a folding personal transportation vehicle that's designed really to address the micro mile, kind of first mile, last mile uh, transportation scenario for urban commuting. I came up with the idea for the Irby um, back in 2012. And where, where it essentially came from was I've, I've been teaching, I'm an industrial designer. I've worked for many different companies doing many different things. But one of the things that I've done for now about 10 years is I teach. And I graduated from Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. Uh, I have been teaching there now for over 10 years. And I also teach at USC in the Ivy Young Academy, teaching product design as well. And uh, at Art Center, I've taught a number of different classes, different courses, all within industrial design, so product design, transportation design, environmental design. And in 2012, I was starting to see a trend that was happening where car companies would come in and sponsor projects at Art Center and I was part of the faculty on these classes. And the car companies, it was kind of like back to back. I mean, I think, I think it was three or four semesters in a row where the car companies were looking at this problem that they had identified as a first mile, last mile scenario where millennials are, are not buying cars at an alarming rate uh, compared to past generations. And really kind of why that is and it turns out that you know there's this kind of this paradigm shift this mind change where there's so many different ways and options that are available now for transportation for millennials that they're they don't really see the need to have the expense of owning a car so yeah so you have like you know you have the the cost of the car itself you have the insurance you have the parking you have the gas you have the maintenance and when you combine all those things, and if you're living in an, a congested urban environment inside a city and you're working in a city, um, you know, there's so many other ways to get around public transportation, trains, buses, you know, rideshare programs like Uber and Lyft. And because of that, there's really no need for these, these individuals to have a car 
And but there is still this need for having personal transportation. You know, something that you can easily just open up and go to the corner store a couple blocks away. Maybe you only have a you know twenty thirty minutes for lunch, and you want to go to a restaurant that's you know ten blocks down the road and. And so, it's too big to carry your bike onto the train sometimes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then, yeah, if you're living outside the city and you're taking the train into the city, um, you know, obviously you can do that with a bicycle. But when, when the train is, you know, during rush hour and, the, and it's standing room only, it's, it's kind of difficult. Even folding bikes are still right. a little bit. You're going to be the yeah. guy with the bike. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Right. So, so that was the, that was kind of where we started with as far as the the problem that was you know at hand and having a vehicle that was small enough that when you folded it it you know literally go between your legs and not take up any more space than your your person right exactly so um what when did the design come about how did it you know how did it evolve how did you guys so the so in like i said back in 2012 when this this opportunity that I saw um, happening to solve this problem, um, I kind of took it on you know myself to to say okay well you know what would a, what would a product look like what would it need to do what would it need to be and how would it function and and it was sort of you know right time right place you know the technology now with lithium ion batteries the way they are how much energy they can store in a very small and lightweight you know kind of a scenario makes it really possible for something like our product to to be in existence and so um literally i mean just started building prototypes you know like the like i'm sure thousands of other companies started um, you know, out of my garage, you know, just building. And I worked with my next door neighbor who had a welding machine, and you know, we we just kind of started cutting aluminum and and drilling holes, and and I got some parts uh, sent, you know, to me from some factories that made batteries and hub motors and things like this, and um, you know, we just went at it, and it took about I don't know a couple of years to develop, really. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, having something like this instead of walking, you know, you can get there so much quicker. So you're, you know, the the amount of time that you're out in the cold and exposed to the, to the to the you know inclement weather is a lot nicer. You know, it's just a, it makes it more pleasant. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I didn't know you uh, were teaching at the art center. The art center in Pasadena is like the top program in the country. So, what's the main advice or what's the main goal for your students out there what what's your big advice for them you know i i yeah it's a great question i um i think the hardest part of the design process is determining what the problem is in the first place Hmm. and knowing if it's a problem that's worth solving is another big one a lot of i think a lot of students you know in this day and age they you know they know that they have to design a product for a certain class and and you know within the first week of the of the term you know you have this kind of this light bulb idea and it's like oh i'm going to design this you know toaster that's going to toast uh socks to make them warm when i put them on in the morning i I just thought of that right now by the way that's not something (laughs) i've been thinking about for a while but um but you know you can you can have kind of these moments of epiphany and and 
you know, it might seem like a really great idea, but unless you can really validate it and and understand that you are essentially solving a problem for a consumer and you know knowing if that consumer really is on the same page with you takes there's a lot of upfront work that you have to do to to determine whether or not you know you should be putting all your effort and time into into taking on this project so i would just say you know make sure that you spend a good amount of time, enough time to really identify the pain points of the consumer and identify the competition and what the competition is doing right and what they're doing wrong and how you can how you can create a product that has enough point of difference that allows you to be the product of choice that the consumer is going to want to go after. Right, right. No, that's great advice. That's the way I was taught in school as well. Make sure it's a problem we're solving. But then there's the other camp, you know, Steve Jobs, who said, develop something some people don't know what they need. You know, so it's... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, and, and in fact, it's interesting because uh, that's kind of what the Irby is, really. You know, we, we knew that, or I, you know, I knew that this problem existed. That was kind of based on a lot of the research that I was privy to by, you know, not only these car companies that were coming in and telling us what they were finding, but even even just hearing what the students were finding when they did their own research and then I did my own research and even you know proved it even more and what's interesting with the Irby is is that you know it's really it's one of these types of products that's kind of it's sort of cutting edge in a in a in a new area that a lot of people haven't really considered you know when people see the Irby it's interesting because a lot of people it's sort of you have this light bulb moment where uh, I've used the light bulb term twice now, which is not good. But anyways, you have this moment where um, where you go, oh, well, that actually would make sense. Like that actually, I could see myself using that. That could make my life a lot easier and would allow me, you know, I, I, I've been wanting to take the train or, you know, find other sustainable ways to get into the city. But but you know, I have this problem, and man, I didn't think that you know there was a product out there like this. And so, you know, to your point, you know, I always I, I love the Henry Ford quote. You know, right. if if I had have asked you know my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. You know, yeah. so you know that that's kind of the same scenario. I think we're kind of in this day and age now where there's there's such a shift happening in how people get in and out of cities that it's it's sort of like this is this space is maybe the where the new automobile is you know exactly so how has the product evolved from the first Irby model so so we came out in 2015 uh, with the very first uh, what we now call the Irby classic Uh, at that time it was just the Irby and um, it was a you know it was a great product solved the problem the way that we were hoping it would, it folded and became very compact. Um, but we also had uh, customers that now were buying our product that loved the product but would give us insight. They would they would say, you know, I, I love this, but I wish it did this, or you know, can you do can you do this? Or we'd have some customers that would really want it and say, you know what, I I I see it, I see the value of it, but it's just a little bit too expensive. You know, I wish I wish you had a a less expensive model. I'm going to wait and see what happens. And so, what ended up happening was we we sort of identified that we had kind of 
two from the very from the first model we sort of had two camps we had a camp that that loved it for what it was and didn't have a problem with it but just wished it was less expensive and then we had another camp where they, you know customers they loved the product they were buying the product but they kind of wished it did even more and they were willing to pay even more to to do these things and so where that kind of came about was we took the original design and we improved on it and we so one of the things that we got was you know customers they originally it came with this very small eight inch wheel and the the rubber the tire itself was was solid rubber so it wouldn't go flat which is a great benefit but it also was kind of a, a bit of a rougher stiffer ride and a lot of a lot of our customers are saying, man, I wish the, the wheels were just a little bit bigger. I kind of, you know, I live in rough streets with potholes and or I, or I ride this, you know, on the grass or on dirt paths and things like that. And if it had a bigger, a bigger wheel with more power and I could go faster, that would be a really great thing and I'd be willing to pay more money for that. And so what we did was we took the original Irby and we adjusted it so that it had bigger bigger wheels, bigger tires, 10 inch and they're a pneumatic now so they had air, air fill so they were a little bit more comfortable of a ride and at the time the Irby had a front wheel drive motor and we actually then moved it to the back and so now it had more traction when you're on dirt and paths and things like this and, uh, and now it, it went about the same distance but it was faster and had more power and climbed hills better and so uh, what we when we came up with that product we then called it the Irby Pro and so then we had two models of that we had the Pro and the Pro GT and the difference between those was that the Pro GT um, was just quicker it had like more acceleration it felt faster right. um, really the top speed of them both is about the same once you get up to top speed but what we also then did is we came out with a completely new model uh, called the Sport, the Sport Line. And why, uh, why we came out with that was we, were, we wanted to address this lower price point question that a lot of the customers were giving us. And you know, we'd learned a lot of lessons in, in you know, how to build efficiencies into the production method of the Irby, the original Irby. And we ended up developing the sport in a different way, the way that it was produced. So it looks very much, when you look at it, they look very similar. They look like siblings, which is, you know, one of the, the main things we wanted to get across. Right, right. It, it still looks cool. looks like the same type of product. But we, we, we were able to figure out some really interesting um, manufacturing efficiencies that allowed us to build the product for a lot less because we we build these products here in california you know these aren't coming from overseas and uh, so we do all it's all made with the best uh american made uh, uh 6061 aluminum aircraft grade aluminum and oh, car wow. carbon fiber um anti-corrosive you know so it's lightweight super strong and but with the sport model, instead of it being these extruded tubes that we had to CNC mill four different sides, which is, you know, that's a pretty robust process in, in manufacturing. It's, it's very common in the aerospace industry. And in fact, the fabricators that we use to build our products are fabricators for aerospace. Um, but with the sport model, we were able to kind of 
do it differently so that all the all the actual frame parts were cut out of laser cut out of flat material and then bent into position and so it's a much quicker method and more efficient method of, of producing the vehicle and therefore we were able to cut our cost down which we then trans translated into the customer being able to save money right excellent that's good so yeah it was, it was, it was, uh, it was but, a good way to good way to solve that problem right but you know listening to your customers to find out what what they were looking for right yeah, yeah exactly. exactly you know and, and now you know we and and that and that's the sport model still has the smaller eight inch you know solid rubber tires um, which for a lot of people actually is a good thing. They they don't want to have to worry about you know potentially you know riding over a nail and having the tire go flat. Right. Um, so so just curious, uh, which sells more? Uh, what's interesting is is for both models, the the more expensive, the faster version of the model sells more, okay. and then our. I believe it's 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 pretty close between the Sport GT and the Pro GT, but okay. I think we still sell more of the Pro GT. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people they get the Sport and they love the Sport and they just that's it. They're, that's all they need. That, yeah. That's all they need. We get other people that buy the Sport and then they try the Pro, and then they end up selling their Sport on Craigslist and buying the and Pro. By the way. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's it, you know, to each his own, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Good. Good. So now that you've gone through this process, any any advice you give for them for starting their own business or taking their ideas to the next level? Or? I am seeing kind of this the shift and in, in entrepreneurial you know aspirations and and you know it's it's great and 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 honestly the I think you know when when you and I were in school we didn't really have the technology to support that you know and now that's true. Now with you know desktop printing and 3D modeling and you know all these all these ways of actually bringing bringing a product to market for relatively little cost and and not a you know you have obviously you have to have a certain amount of skill to be able to do that but you know it's it's completely there for the taking and so you know I think these these students are realizing you know I can actually just make I can make a widget and sell it if I want right to. right oh yeah you can start a business for for cheap these days right because sure. you yeah. don't you don't have to have brick and mortar you can have a, your online business you know how long how much does it cost to make a website that's not much so Exa- exactly. you know a few yeah. few other tools and you're you're off running you know yeah so what's been your favorite thing about SolidWorks this year this is actually my first year to okay. SolidWorks world um we were we were invited by SolidWorks to come and participate, and and we're actually sort of a case study for a new program that they've developed called SolidWorks Cell. But what's really cool about this this SolidWorks Cell is they've developed this thing for this kind of on the fly customization, where it it can be embedded into our website, and without needing any special programming or anything like this, our customer is able to to actually look at our product in 3D and completely on the website itself customize it they can look at it in all the different colors that we offer it in all the di- we have these like these sleeve inserts that you can um, you know have the kind of the accent color change and so that's something that our customers can order already but for them to be able to visualize it on the on the screen is is kind of takes it to that next level and then they also can, you know, add all the different accessories that we have. So we have like baskets and lights and fenders and all sorts of stuff, and they can see what it looks like 
you know, on the vehicle. And then when they've got it kind of dialed in the way they want it, they basically just add it to their cart and the thing updates our, our website and puts in a PO and we don't even have to do anything. It's just, it's done. Right. It's, it's great. What we're starting to see where SolidWorks Cell started was customers are asking for that. You know, they, they want customization. They yeah. don't want to just order one simple thing on the website and, you know, they, they want to customize it and people get to stay within brand. You know, exactly. So it still has your brand on it, but it's customized to, to whatever they want. So, yeah, exactly. so that's great. Yeah, we're, we're glad you guys are, are, are doing that and seeing the benefit. So, oh, well, Grant, this was great. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Thank you again. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, and, this is good, uh, good stuff. Thanks for listening today. And please note that if you're interested in having your customers configure and customize products and place orders online, as Grant mentioned, check out SolidWorks Sell. Just go to SolidWorks.com slash sell. That's S-E-L-L. We'll be back again soon with more great Born to Design podcast stories at SolidWorks.com slash podcast or wherever podcasts are readily available. Until then, keep on designing.